Welcome back. In episode one, Vaughn spoke about undergraduate life at Indiana University, some of his business adventures, then his bike accident, which threw him off the path he intended. His road to recovery was long, but he started work and was later let go. He always planned on going back to law school. So we get back to him where he struggles with learning due to his injuries. Here is the second and final portion of our discussion with Vaughn Walmsley. Gotcha. Okay, so, and that's even harder. When I came back, my problems would be organization, speech, basically those two things alone, and understanding complex concepts. And that's exactly what you have to be good at to law school. <laughs> so, my first year of law school. So, let's just put it in perspective. Uh, you're going to graduate in May. Did you start a year, um, like a year and a half later? Because you had a year off, then you went. In like September of the following year? Yeah, I think year? I started a year. Uh, I think I missed a year and then went the following. Okay, so it was like a little over two years by the time that it was over. I think over. so. I think so. Okay. Well, so I got in there and it took me five years to get to law school. Right. It only takes three. I got in 80, 83 at fall, I think. It may have been 84. Um, and the first year, I, I couldn't understand anything. They'd call me. That's what they do in law school. It's like I'm on TV, you know, these <laughs> law schools. Mr. And, uh, and, 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 and the class would just laugh because I was I could barely – I sounded like I was from Mexico because my occlusion got changed with my jaw got broke and my okay. my, my speech messed, center got messed up in my left front left parietal lobe. Right. So I sounded Mexican. And, it, and interestingly, I speak a little Spanish. I took Spanish. I could speak Spanish. I could remember Spanish. El, el abogado. <laughs> abogado. Yo entiendo la lengua española para dos años en mi escuela de primo a 50 años. ¿Sí? ¿Comprende? Sí, por supuesto. Perfecto. Más o menos. Más o menos. Más o menos. Always a little más o menos and cerveza in there. Yeah, cerveza. No cerveza, más o menos. So basically, um, I got straight after the first semester. But they, so you had a perfect streak going, though. See, so flags. Yeah. Flag, flag, flag. And, you know, it's so interesting. The one thing kids I Kids don't do this. So I had the, several good friends, Sean Maloney, uh, Jim Nolan, uh, a couple other guys um, that um, took me under their arms, felt sorry for me. They let me in their law. F they had their own little uh, law groups, review groups. Right. Top dogs in our class. They took me under their wings. They tried to help me. I was getting so frustrated because I couldn't keep organization. And when I, the day of the test would come, you know, I say it'll all come clear on the day of the exam. Did it come clear for me? It got more confusing. The pressure made things worse. And I remember um, Sean Maloney said, Vaughn, it was in, it was during an income tax with the, uh, uh, Professor uh, Oliver, you know, Oliver Winery. That's his yeah. daughter. 30, that's my professor. That he owned that. Wow. Okay. And it is, and, he, and, I, and Sean goes, Vaughn, do not leave this test. He was sitting in the back. I was up front more. He says, I'll stop you if you try to leave. Because, I mean, I love these guys. And they, they, they liked me. And, and I got up. I went up to talk to Dr. Oliver, Professor Oliver. I said, Professor Oliver, I don't understand this. He goes, Vaughn, just write something down. He goes, I know you know this stuff. Just write something down, what you understand. He goes, you'll pass. I go, I can't do it. I was that much of a perfectionist. I couldn't accept it unless it was good performance. I said, I'm out of here. So you walked out. I walked out. Crashed and burned. I walked out. And it wasn't the first test I walked out. I walked out. It was so frustrating. I went over to the next. 
If I tried to walk out, yeah. Sean tried to trip me. He, he, he tried to grab oh, me. Great, he tripped the guy that's had a major he, accident. This is my good friend, red-haired guy. Went, you know, yeah, but he was man. thinking the best for you. Yeah, he was, and 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 he basically tried to tried to stop me. Um, and I I went over to Nick's. And, I was, and for people who don't know from not around here, Nick's is actually a bar. Right, it's a well-known bar at IU. At IU, and I'm drinking drinking over there. And I wasn't a heavy partier at IU. That's why I live. That's why I survived that accident. I was an all-American kid, didn't drink, didn't smoke, didn't do anything, didn't drink, did my work, worked out, and, and, and I was what I thought was a good guy. I came over there, and, and uh, Sean goes, Professor Oliver wants you to take the test again. And I'm like, are you serious? I, can I quit this place? Can I just leave? Can I just go away and be a loser? Can I just... <laughs> no, he wants you to take it. He's going to Australia. He wants you to take it. So so I take the test, and not surprisingly, I get a B on it. Okay? Wow. That was the turning point. I started getting better. Um, and then I started getting... Uh, so the, the following year, I started getting Cs and Bs instead of Fs, straight to Fs. I, started, I actually went from Fs to Cs and Ds. Were and you then, still at IU at that point? Yeah, staying at okay. IU. And so your first year of law school, yeah, you're crashing there, and burning, but you start to pull out. Second year, you're now in a, in a pretty good shape. You're, well, Cs and Ds are in great shape. I'm, okay, so I'm you're doing to, better. I'm trying to pull up a point zero five GPA <laughs> for the first year. It's kind of hard. But by the time I – by the third year I'm done, I need – I started that RV company up in Elkhart. In the third year of law school. Yeah. And so I needed to – I needed to – I was commuting from Elkhart to to – uh, Bloomington, going back and forth, running my law firm and this RV company at the same time. And I'm like, this isn't going to work. I got transferred up to Notre Dame. And so I go to my girlfriend and Dean Fromm, who talks, she works for him. She's a secretary. And he says, well, I'll write a letter to them. We'll see if we can get you up there. So a couple weeks go by and he calls me in his office. He was dean of students. Sure. And Le Leonard Fromm, I love him. He's no longer with us. He died of cancer. But he um, he went up to bat for me. He said, Vaughn, they... Um, they said, Dean Fromm said, Vaughn, they weren't really impressed with your uh, GPA. Your GPA. <laughs> and he goes, they want, I want, but I, he goes, I want you to go up to meet with them. I think they'll be impressed with you. I said, and I'm still kind of, I'm not 100% yet, but I'm getting there. I go, okay, I'll do it. <clears throat> you can always send me in, coach. So I go up there, and there's Dean Link and Dean McLean. Dean Link's the head of the law school, and McLean's dean of students, like Dean Fromm was down right. at you. And I go in and sit in front of these two guys and they said, now, Vaughn, you realize most of our students are in like 90th percentile in their LSATs, right? And right. I go, yeah, so I got, I got that. They go, yeah, we know, but most of our students also have 4.0 GPAs and yours is 1.8. Right. I said, you know, so I said, well, I can explain that. And then I told them the story, but I told you guys, uh, I've been uh, describing to you guys what happened to me. And they said, Vaughn, why don't you go out in the hall for a little bit? And um, so I go out in the hall. It seemed like I was probably out there five minutes. It seemed like five hours. And they right. called me back in. They said, Vaughn, we're a Christian school, and we're going to give you a shot. But if your grades are anything like they are down at IU, we're down at IU, we're sending you back on a rail. Right. So that was in the fall of 1987. But this brings up a great point. You know, too many people automatically assume, hey, I'm not going to be able to do something. Mm -hmm. But trying and putting yourself out there. And getting the opportunity, there are always opportunities out there. Yep. And you just have to, you know, be confident in yourself, and you got to try. Right. And that's what's good, great about your story. And, and you know, I tell you, my a friend, a good friend of mine, Bob Davetsky, is my roommate in law school. 
uh, Bob said 90% of everything is showing up. Yep. That's true. He said, and, and then he said, you have to focus on, and this is important for our audience, you have to focus on the 10% that, that makes you a winner or a loser. Right. What, what is the bottom line? What is the, what is the main thing you got to accomplish here and do really good at that? So I adopted that mentality. Um, I took, so when it came time to, you know, and you get, no, I mean, you get to Notre Dame now, now you're getting through school and we want to make sure, because I know you're on a tight schedule, um, yeah. but you're getting through school and now you're starting to do well and you get out of school. I, well, I was just hoping you could kind of okay, so, get, get us through that so we can get you to the point where you're okay. saying, Hey, this is kind of what I was doing, what I'm doing now and being successful right. at. So, so basically I, I did do better. I got straight A's that semester. Hey, all right. And I had to because the RV industry went under October 19th, seven was Black Monday, and the bank pulled my line of credit. My parents had to secure with their house. So I'm using my tuition money running around buying Thetford uh, uh, refrigerators or to toilets and uh, you know middle bed hardwood cabinets and shoving them in these RVs that are already pre-sold. Got $120,000 back. I'm getting law school, running from Elkhart to Notre Dame to South Bend, sold eight units, got $120,000 out of them, paid the line of credit off, got my parents' house back, Yeah. then lived in the basement of the Notre Dame law firm no. law school, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, not literally, but I was there 24 hours a day, you know, and I, that's how I got, when your butt's on the line, that's when you perform. Because everybody always thinks when you're successful, oh, you had it so easy. No, it was hard. Everything was good. I mean, when I first started at IU, I could study 19 hours a day and couldn't remember anything. Right. That must have made you feel just super, right? Yeah, I was. it was very discouraging. Um, but I graduated, um, and I and then basically I was going to take the, the bar exam, and my roommate said he's going to come in late. A little later, I said, don't wake me up. He woke me up. I set my reset my alarm. I got there an hour late. I missed passing by the first time in a bar by five points. Because you're so, an hour late. Yeah. How, how, how long is the bar exam? I, two I days. So it's two days. So you missed... I, was, I was an hour late, but I missed the introduction to it. And they told you you got to go at 1230, not 12. So I handed in at 12. The exam, I put it in this. They fingerprint and all this very yeah. secured. I put it in the slot, and then I went and sat down. No one else is getting up, and I'm like, because I missed the instructions. So an hour, an hour late, late and I, a half hour less. A four and a half hour stretch. I missed three hour and a half, and and it was torts and contracts, which is the hardest part of the test. Gotcha. So yeah, Tony was, was messed up. That um, is messed up. But but so I, I I didn't pass the bar the first time. I passed. I took it again. Passed it the second time. And I would, I, my GPA when I graduated was probably what two one two two. It was, I mean, I pulled it up, but just barely above a C. Your life story almost sounds like full of second chances. Uh, the Lord's been good to me. Second chance to live. Yep. Second chance for a law school. Second chance to pass the bar. Right. Right. Uh, good point. I don't. I don't know how many times you've been married, but if you're married twice, then I'll put that in there. Yeah. But yeah. Only married once. No, twice. Okay. Second chance. Yeah. Hey, we'll, we'll take it as a positive. Yeah. We have a good God. He gives us a lot of grace. <laughs> yeah, I do. Couldn't couldn't get a job. Literally, a good friend of mine, Terry Plank, loaned me money to buy his poly his ugly suit, and I literally wore my shoes. I wore, the, I'm not kidding, I wore the soles walking downtown. I'm not lying. I wore the bottom of my soles out on my on my shoes. I've never done that. Okay, I mean, there's holes in the inside of them. Okay, and um, I finally got a job, Stuart and Stuart here in Carmel. I was oh, Stuart and Stuart right up the road. Yeah, in fact, I had a job as deputy prosecutor in Madison County. 
And then I did a couple of trials. That wasn't even that good. I think I won one out of four. It's a lot harder when you. <laughs> Let's not put that on the commercial. <laughs> you know, it's well. No, you're beyond reasonable doubt. It's a different standard than uh, I know. I'm civil, just right? with you. But but then they saw me and they thought I had a lot of trial experience, which I had some. They hired me and they gave me all their hard cases, and I was I was up for it. I won most of them. I became their hard cases, personal injury cases. Yeah. Because I, I had, and it's a couple of criminal where I was defending criminals. Okay, because you know, when I heard your stuff on the news, uh, alleged criminals, alleged criminals. When I heard yes, your stuff on the right. news, you you made it kind of like your life mission that personal injury, because of your personal story right. of being injured, that you wanted to help others out. Well, I learned that people, people that are cruising along in their life and they get knocked off, yeah, they get off off track, which is like happened to me. It's really hard to get back on track and I knew that and I, and the people that you know a lot of people that call me uh, hire personal injury attorneys they're the ones that their lives are they don't know attorneys and they're they're hanging on the paycheck to paycheck when you hit them and they get hurt yep they don't have any money coming in it's devastational it gets them off and so I I made that my mission was to help people that would find themselves in the situation I was I found myself. How many cases have you actually? Uh, I don't know if over four thousand litigated. <laughs> I haven't litigated, but I've represented over four thousand people. Four thousand. So if you just multiply that times the number of people times the number of people affected by oh, those people, the Lord's used. You've helped idol. thousands and thousands of people. Yeah, and, I, and it's been a great privilege, it's been a great honor, and I'm glad. I'm very happy with my career um, that I've been able to do this. Uh, you know the, the biggest, but 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 one overriding thing is, as I was becoming more, the first time I got, I've had multi-million dollar settlements all over the country, and and and, and I'm talking big settlements. Um, What's your largest? Can I ask that? Uh, seven figure, sixty seven figures. Okay. Okay. And I've had several of those, um, and I've gone against incredible odds. I've taken eight lawyers on down in Dallas, Texas. Really? I'm sorry, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, and oh no, <laughs> but you're at least you're not bitter, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> yeah. it's fun. Um, so you know, I've, I think I've only lost maybe five or six trials in 30 years, wow. so I've been blessed. I'm quick on my feet because of my accident and the way I had to rethink, I had to reorganize how I think. And it's like that movie, What About Bob? Take yeah. baby steps, and I restructured my brain the way I analyze stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, since then, you know, I, I started making a, a bunch of money in personal injury. And like, what am I going to do with this money? Well, first of all, I left the a firm that I thought they needed better organization software. So I, I hired a couple programmers and started a software company called right. Case Pacer. Actually, it's called Pitt's Personality Tracking System, which Tony's involved with. And then um, he's, he's steering the whole thing now. I trust him. Um, that's my baby. I put lots of money, lots of time in that, probably uh, 10 years total. Sure. Uh, that was my dream. And, and the whole purpose of that software was to do a better job for the client. It prints out what needs to be done in every case right. every day. So, And I got patents on it. And so I, I, I used a lot of the money I was making in my personal injuries to do to invest in that software company, do a better job for my clients. And I'm like, then I, and the software allowed me to do more cases. So I'm making even more money. So I'm like, well, I think I'll start another software company. So I got involved with a company called SmartFile. It's a, 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 a file sharing system on the sure. internet. And then I'm like, okay, well, I got more money. What am I going to do with that? Well, I'm going to start buying real estate. So I go back to my old first love. I started buying mm -hmm. real estate. And um, and and I bought – I did really well in real estate. I mean, I made you know, a lot more money than I can make as a personal injury attorney. I, mean, I make a lot of money as a personal injury attorney, but I can make 
10 times that in, in real estate. I'm building the big box warehouses at Amazon. Right. You're uh, talking about that. E-commerce. And, and I'm, I just bought another facility, another park down in Memphis. I may buy one in Columbus, Ohio. I've got one here in Indianapolis. Conversations that we continue to have with people is that their path isn't just a clear, straight shot to one. Thing. No. And yours, you got knocked off the path, then got kicked down the road, and then it got knocked again, and you keep jumping back, right? It's real estate. It's painting. It's it's law. It's, oh, my gosh, my life's yeah. over. Hey, my life's back. Now I'm going to be a lawyer. Hey, I want an RV company. And so yeah. the whole idea is just to open these kids' minds up to there's so many opportunities out there, so many different ways to get there, and it's not always a straight shot. You know, I agree with that 100%. And, and just never give up. Never give up. Never give up. And, and but don't, don't try to do it on your own. You know, all the books that, you know, we went through one season, we had like six or seven books. Almost every one of those books says exactly that same thing. Mm -hmm. If they would have given up, they wouldn't be the person that they were. If they wouldn't give it up, uh, they, you know, it just keeps saying it over and over. And you're a great example of that. Thank you. I think, I think the, the thing that, just, that you need to realize is you're not in control. And if you think you're in control, then you think you can guide your path. Right. You'll get frustrated when you get off what you think your path should be. Any other ideas on money? Let you um, maybe something you've taught your kids about money. Something. Well, I've done a bad job. Uh, okay. <laughs> bad well, it's good job. that you're honest about it. Right? Yeah. I mean, I've, kids, it's hard to educate them. But my daughter is getting her first job at 15. She, she's doing okay. My son is now working in my real estate endeavors. He's a sharp kid, sharp young man. He's 28. Yeah. Um, as far as money goes, use the experts. I, I always try to learn from people. I mean, uh, that have a good knowledge of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, and if you if you if you're going to be trying to do a tax savings, talk to a tax lawyer. Yeah. If you're going to try to talk to an accountant, if you really have some complex accounting things you don't understand, don't ever think you can do it all. Right. I'm known by people who do work with me as someone who thinks he has to know it all, and I'm just now letting my fist open up a little bit and giving uh, other people delegating. Right. So my advice would be you need to learn how to delegate. And when you delegate, make sure you're delegating to someone who has character. The that, biggest, that's a big one. Yeah. The number one thing, if you're going to, you have to delegate. You can't do everything. Um, so uh, when you do delegate, make sure you have references. Make sure you've vetted the person you've talked to. Make sure their character. Talk to, you know, where do you go to church? You have a family. Guys that have had three wives and six girlfriends and they've bank filed bankruptcy three times. You don't really want them as your partner. You don't want to give them a lot of right. a lot of authority. So your... character, ethics, and those yep. different types of yep. things are very important. That's and, very important. You know, on the last podcast, one thing we said is if you are planning from the tax perspective, you can't do it on April 14th and expect right. to get a big tax refund on the 15th. You got to do it well in advance. I tell people all the time. If you don't get it in in September before the year ends, you're probably a little too late because right. you got to move things around and get things lined up. But right. Tony, anything you want to say? You have been incredibly quiet. I'm looking here at the monitor and I have a straight <laughs> line, which... Boo. Yeah, what in the heck is going on here? I was just uh, listening to the story, trying to soak it up. And I, I think you heard some new stuff, right? Heard some new stuff. I've, I've heard part of the story before, not all mm -hmm. the story. I'm sure that's still not all the story. There's a lot there. There's a lot left. Uh, no, I, you know, on the kids piece, uh, I think it's just such a big taboo thing historically is like uh, when I was growing up, 
Uh, my mom and dad started a business in the house, and I really what well, didn't feel like I was allowed to ask how how much dad how much do, do you make mom make or... how much does the company make and if I did ask that I wouldn't get a straight answer right like so I just kind of learned that that's not something you ask about and not understanding that as a kid is horrible because then you grow Perpetuates up you get the same it. thing you you end up graduating from high school or college and you mm-hmm. get in your job and you have no idea how to manage money mm-hmm. money's an important piece although. I say money is like air because it's no big deal unless you're not getting any. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but the kids, you know, to learn how to, uh, you know, the power of compounding and investing, saving, uh, the power of donating some of your money to uh, to a cause that, of your choice, of your liking, uh, makes you feel good inside. But then it also gives you another incentive to save and have more so you can share more. Do you- do you want to hear something on compounding I just read the other day? You know, um, $97 billion of the $100 billion that Warren Buffett made was after the age of 65. Wow. And he started investing when he was 10. And the whole point of this book was you got to compound because if you don't compound, you'll never get there. So I just thought that was so amazing. Sorry to interrupt. No. And I'd say on top of that is the whole – I mean – you know, the the lifestyle creep. So you start getting more and you start buying more because you always want to buy something more. And Maybe you got to make sure post. you're paying yourself and saving first and don't spend it all. Because when you have one of those corrections, like we're talking about with the market with yep. Black Monday. And, and you got crushed. And you get crushed. And a lot of people get crushed because they don't have that emergency fund. I think, I can't remember what the percentage is in the U.S. But Sometimes, uh, yeah. It's... People that can't handle a $400 emergency spend is like... 70, 80 percent of America or something. But you know what's crazy is the average that um, individuals at a lower socioeconomic uh, level spend on the lotto a year is over $400. So it's really about behavior and making sure that you make better decisions. But, you know, there's a lot tied up in that whole comment, too. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. But anyway, uh, I know it's just a little bit after the time that you want to get out of here. I want to thank you, Mr. Walmsley, for being here. Thank you. An incredibly interesting store, second chances, and having people hear some of that is is very helpful. So until the next time, we thank everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks for being here. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment on the podcast. We'll see you next time for more Money with Mac and G.